Welcome to the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series, where your host, Andy Jacob, interviews leading entrepreneurs, founders, and CEOs about their incredible companies and discusses their unique entrepreneurial journeys. If you're the CEO or founder of an exciting and exceptional company, the editorial team of Dotcom Magazine welcomes you to pitch your business story to appear on this exciting interview series by reaching out to Mr. Jacob at Dotcom Magazine at dotcommagazine.com. And without further ado, here is another amazing entrepreneurial story on the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. Hello, everyone. Andy Jacob here with the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. We have a great, great show today. You know, so often at Dotcom Magazine, we come across entrepreneurs that are making a huge difference in the world. And today's guest is making a great difference with her nonprofit, Defeating Epilepsy. It's the Defeating Epilepsy Foundation. And her name is Natalie Boehm, and she is the president of the foundation. She's doing such great work. I mean, epilepsy is something we're going to talk about, but what Natalie is trying to do is bring attention to epilepsy. And she's doing such a great job because there's so much to understand and there's so much misinformation about it as well. So Natalie, I'm so excited to have you on the show. You know, when we get someone who's a real expert in their field, especially with what you're doing at the foundation, it's a real honor. Natalie, welcome to the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series today. Thank you, Andy, for having me. You're welcome. It's great to have you on the show. You know, there's so much to unpack with what you're doing. You're doing great work. But before we get started, because we have so many questions, Let's pull the lens back to 30,000 feet as we become very famous for and tell us about Defeating Epilepsy and the Defeating Epilepsy Foundation. Well, I created the Defeating Epilepsy Foundation because myself, I've been battling epilepsy for 41 years and my seizures have been controlled for 16. This is my way of giving back to the community because epilepsy is a neurological disorder that results in someone having seizures. And there's many different types of seizures and many different types of epilepsy, and it can be caused for a number of reasons. So because of that, there is a lack of education and a lot of times miscommunication regarding epilepsy. So my goal in this is to help people whose seizures aren't controlled to be able to get them resources to improve their quality of life. And for those of us who have their seizures controlled to be able to create more economic and educational opportunities and show people in the community, especially small businesses and academic organizations, that people with epilepsy do have potential and can have a great quality of life and contribute to society. I love it, Natalie. It's such important work. Let's pull the lens back for the people watching the show, the listeners that are listening on the podcast as well. Tell us about epilepsy. Tell us about it at a high level. Don't get too much into the weeds, but let's generally talk about it so people can really understand what it is. Well, at the age of two, I was diagnosed with epilepsy and myself, it was a very um, difficult journey to get my seizures under control. 
a lot of people when they see seizures, they think of what's called a tonic-clonic, where people will fall and stiffen and jerk. But there's so many other different types of epilepsy. People can have staring spells, or the seizures I have are called complex partial, where I'm unconscious, but I look conscious. I mumble, I stutter. The best way to put it is I come off under the influence of something. So it's very difficult and very confusing for somebody who doesn't know what epilepsy is to recognize that it's a medical emergency that's taking place. And because of this, many people with epilepsy, I myself as a child, I felt very isolated. I felt very alone. And a lot of people still do because of the lack of research and um, information out there for the community. But also back in the 80s when I was a child, there really wasn't a lot of compassionate care for patients with epilepsy. It was take your medicine and do what the doctor tells you. And they're really finding out now that it is so much more than just taking your medicine. Proper exercise and nutrition, mental health care is very important. There's so many things that um, play into it. It's not just take a pill and the problems go away. Yeah, it makes all the sense in the world. And you're a leading advocate. I mean, when it comes to educating the community, educating society. I mean, what you're doing at Defeating Epilepsy at the foundation is remarkable. Now, Natalie, there's a chance that if we encounter someone that has a seizure or has this sort of blank look on their face where maybe they're mumbling, what do we do? Do we, do we call 911? How do we help that person? Because so many people don't know what to do in a case where they meet someone like that. Yeah. Well, depending on the type of seizure, it's how you would approach something. If you have somebody who's having a tonic-clonic seizure, they would lie them on the ground and turn them on their side and put a pillow under their head or a jacket, something to prevent them from hitting their head. And the most important thing is to make sure the person is in a safe situation where they can't hurt themselves and start timing the seizure. Now, if someone has a seizure that's five minutes or longer, or they repeat seizures, they start having another seizure after coming out of one, that's when it's necessary to call for 911. At times when some people have complex partial or absent seizures, they may stare off for a minute or two, but the best thing to do is to stay by them, ensure them everything's okay, and then they'll come about. So not every situation needs um to be calling for an ambulance for medical attention, but it is very important to know those basic seizure first aid steps. Yeah, that's great to know. And of course, for the people watching the show, rewind what Natalie just said, because it could help save somebody's life. So it's really important. Now, when we think about epilepsy, where does it begin? Is it a genetic uh, situation? Is it something that you acquire after you're born or a combination thereof? What do we know about epilepsy right now? Well, it can be for many reasons. There are genetic defects in the brain that can cause seizures. A common, couple of the common ones are known as Dravet syndrome and Lennox-Gastel syndrome, which it really, it's very heartbreaking. They don't have a very good quality of life. A lot of times seizures can't get under control. They have um, learning disabilities. They may have other neurodivergent conditions like autism. Myself, I had a traumatic brain injury at the age of two from a fall. 
and that's what caused my seizures. But a lot of people, they can be from a stroke. They may have a tumor removed and the scar tissue doesn't heal right. But even a lot of cases, especially in adult cases, seizures start and they never really pinpoint the reason why they started. Wow, it's fascinating. It's just so interesting to hear you speak about it. It's obvious why you've become one of the leading advocates and proponents of teaching the world at large about epilepsy. When we think about it and we think about things that people misunderstand, you know, about epilepsy, what are some of the things that people who don't know about it misunderstand about it? I think a lot of people, because of the lack of education, look at us, especially as adults, as a liability. One of the biggest problems that people with epilepsy who are adults have is trying to convince an employer that they have the potential and capability to have a career. And a lot of people, including myself, for many years, I hid my epilepsy thinking, well, if someone finds out you know, they can't directly fire me because of ADA protections. It is a protected condition under the Americans with Disabilities Act. But what if they try to find a way where, oh, the position we need you to do this and we realize you're not qualified or we have to lay people off because of things, we're sorry, but we can't have you anymore. They'll find other loopholes to go around because employers not understanding it really get scared thinking, well, what if this person has a seizure on the job? Am I going to get sued? What if this person has a seizure in front of my client? Is my client's going to stop doing business with me? Am I going to go out of business? So a lot of it is unknown fear. And at our foundation, I'm working right now with a student at the University of Southern California, along with a couple of other professionals. And we're putting together a DEI program because a lot of times in social justice, they advocate fiercely for people of color and LGBTQ, which I do myself. I'm very, I'm dedicated to that. But just people with disabilities and differences are being left out of this. And what is just so frustrating is they've done research to show the benefits of people with disabilities, what they can bring to companies. And the larger companies like Hewitt Packard, Microsoft, who have excellent HR teams, they realize people with neurological or neurodivergent conditions have higher than average IQ. They love repetitive work. And if they put them in the right environment, they can thrive. They're they will blossom and they can make money. Yeah, that's powerful. Now, if someone has epilepsy and they're having a tough time landing a job or finding a job, is this something that the foundation will help with? Or do you have resources for them to be able to reach out to, to assist them in job creation or finding a job? Oh, absolutely. We Here in the Inland Empire where we're located, we are connected to a couple of other nonprofits that help specifically with that, with workforce development. And also for those who are not doing well and need assistance, trying to get SSI is one of the most difficult things for people with epilepsy. It can take years. And one of the nonprofits we're associated with They have a location in Pasadena where they have attorneys working pro bono who will help. They give classes to people, not just with epilepsy, but disabilities in general, and help guiding them through the paperwork to make sure that things are done correctly and they get the help they need. Yeah, it's so great. And of course, you mentioned that some of the bigger companies are now understanding that perhaps while a potential employee has epilepsy, that person may be a 
perfect fit for something in their company. They have a higher IQ on the most part. They, they can do repetitive tasks, many of them for the most part. Let's get into that a little bit because that's fascinating. Oh, yeah. I mean, myself, I work from home. I am self-employed, but I find, you know, when I'm in the right environment, I, I can work no problem. I work from home. I've done administrative work. My background, I have a master's in business administration with a focus in strategic management and consulting. And a lot of people with epilepsy go on for higher education. They can work in all sorts of administrative jobs. I mean, common sense. Can we do every job? No, I've I've joked with people and said, please don't ask me to be your airline pilot. It's not going to work in your favor. I can't, you know, you don't want someone like me because of my medicine, working heavy machinery, stuff like that. But there are careers and jobs that people can have. And the wonderful thing now with technology, with Zoom and everything for people who would rather work at home, they can still communicate with the supervisor. They can still be a valuable part of a team. Yeah, you're doing beautiful work. Are there things that trigger epilep- epilepsy? Are there things that potentially could cause someone to have an episode, if that's what you call it? You know, are there lights or sounds or something like that that might cause someone to have one of their episodes? Yeah, flashing lights, strobe lights can help, um, can trigger seizures for people who have photosensitive epilepsy and some sounds do as well. Another thing can be stress. It can be something dramatic happening for myself and some people, even something as the change in the barometric pressure when I was younger, if thunderstorms were coming in the area, that was actually a trigger for me to have a seizure. Wow. Do we know how many people have epilepsy or an estimate of how many people have epilepsy throughout the United States? We have 3.4 million people diagnosed with epilepsy in America. Wow. So I'm thinking about epilepsy and I'm thinking about the seizures that you mentioned, and I'm especially thinking about the young kids. You know, young kids, younger children, teenagers, I mean, it's a very interesting time with social and with Instagram and the posting and everybody, you know, wants to get the likes and everything else like that. For a young child, a teenager that has epilepsy, what type of extra challenges do they have as compared to a regular teenager and young child that already has enough challenges with, you know, everything that's going on on social and, and bullying and everything else? What does the epileptic child have in addition to just being someone that doesn't have epilepsy at that age? Well, sadly, a lot of young children and teenagers do experience bullying from epilepsy. And I truly feel our K-12 system does not do enough to advocate for young children. A lot of parents really don't understand the legal protection their children have, such as FAPE, which is free access to public education, or the IDEA Act, which gives them the opportunity to have a 504 or IEP. And a lot of parents, because they don't know that or don't understand them, schools, I mean, it goes by the districts. I've seen some districts who are just wonderful and ready to step up to the plate for the kids and others who push it aside. And it really is a disadvantage because a lot of these kids are not taken seriously. I mean, myself as a student, my teachers loved me. 
and really were there for me. But the administrators, their attitude was, well, she's sick. She'll probably end up in a group home on disability. So why are we going to take the extra mile with a student like this? And it's so wrong because epilepsy being an invisible illness, you know, unless you're truly, truly sick, I know a couple of people who have seizures daily, they're 100% dependent on a caregiver. Unless you're like that, you're not going to be getting an SSI check. So as these children become teenagers and so many teenagers are trying to figure out, well, what am I going to do with my life? They've been told all their life in a lot of situations, well, you have epilepsy, who would hire you? Oh, people like you don't go on to college. And then, you know, you're taking their dreams away. You're taking their confidence away. And then when they go and become adults, all of a sudden it's, well, I can't get on disability. What do I do? And it's that, what do I do? That causes so much problem in society. And I can't tell you how many people I've told, if children have epilepsy, the advocacy starts in the very beginning because this is going to be a life journey for them. Yeah, that's so interesting. Of course, for parents that might have a child with epilepsy, you mentioned the 504 and the mm-hmm. IEP. Let's talk about that just a yeah. little bit. Well, what an IEP is, it's an individual educational plan. So let's say there's a child who has epilepsy and their seizures are not controlled. They're in and out of the hospital a lot. By law, they would have to arrange to have a teacher's aide or someone up at the hospital if they're there long-term to make sure they're meeting the um, requirements for their school so they don't fall behind. And then if they're not having any complications or severe complications, let's say they don't have any learning disabilities, it's just you know seizures that could be triggered as time, the 504 will protect them. So let's say they have to go in the hospital, that absence cannot be held against them. Yeah, it's so interesting. There's a lot of help if only people know about it, which is why the Defeating Epilepsy Foundation is so important and you're doing such marvelous work, Natalie. When we think about epilepsy, we know a certain percentage of the people that have epilepsy are born with it. And then a certain percentage maybe have an injury and and they, they get epilepsy. Are there Adult onset, is there something called adult onset epilepsy where for no reason that we know of, it wasn't an injury or anything, someone just gets epilepsy? Yes, that does happen. And it's common in the um, 30s to 40s for people to develop adult onset epilepsy. And it's really a very heartbreaking situation. Um, I do a lot of research in peer-reviewed journals, and in 2016, they published a journal article in Epilepsy and Behavior, and they had done a study from 2003 to 2010 in 17 states collecting the um, numbers of people who sadly committed suicide who were battling epilepsy, and they concluded that people with epilepsy are 22 times more likely to commit suicide than the general population, and the majority of the suicides were drug overdose from people ages 40 to 49, and these were people who had adult-onset epilepsy who lost their jobs, pretty much lost everything, became homeless, and no matter what they did, couldn't get things under control and just sadly could not deal with it and ended things. It's very heartbreaking that the lack of resources we have because of, um, I'd say, the ableism in our society. Something like this happens and society thinks, well, you're a big boy, you're a big girl, figure it out. 
Well, wow. it can t- it could take months, years to figure it out. And sadly, sometimes they don't figure it out. So if you can't get on disability, if you can't keep a job, medication costs are astronomical. How do you survive? Yeah, it's so difficult. Now, with the adult onset epilepsy, an adult that acquires epilepsy in the adult onset portion of what we're talking about. Yeah. What happens to their mind? Does their mind stay intact, but it's just their body that has the challenge or does the mind also get effective, affected through this situation? Oh, the mind can get affected because a lot of times what happens is the medications they they use to treat epilepsy are known as anticonvulsants. And anticonvulsants work to suppress the central nervous system to prevent seizure activity. Well, in suppressing the central nervous system, conditions like depression occur. So it Epilepsy is known as a comorbid disease because depression can take place, anxiety can. PTSD, depending on, you know, the experiences they're having, it really can become a very complex situation. And then let's say they have severe depression and they get put on an antidepressant. That just creates more side effects. And if they're, you know, at a point where they're no longer outgoing, they don't, especially the most important thing is having a support system. If they have no family support, no friend support, it can lead them down a very dark path. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating because from what you're saying, if they do get led down, let's just say this dark path, and hopefully in their life, there's going to be some light that's going to lighten up the entire room for their lives. And yeah. hopefully, you know, your foundation will be at the center of that. They might end up homeless. So, so when you see someone that's homeless, there's a chance that maybe they had this adult onset epilepsy and yes. they had a problem. And, you know, that might change the view of someone looking at someone who's homeless because this person might have had no choice because it was really a disease that he or she acquired as an adult. Is that, am I thinking right about that? Yeah, sadly, yes, you are. Because a lot of people who end up homeless, it can be a combination of neurological or psychological conditions. A lot of people who end up homeless you know, conditions like epilepsy, schizophrenia, uncontrolled diabetes, a lot of people who we see on the streets are suffering with some type of a mental defect. And it's why, you know, we don't focus enough on mental health care in this society, and that really needs to change. Or as we continue with the way society has become, our economy has become, it's only going to get worse. Yeah. So let's, Let's take our conversation now and turn it on its head. Let's talk about the positive things because there's so many great things going on. You know, there's people like you that are leading the way. There's other organizations that are uplifting people. There's more support now than perhaps ever before. There's new medication and new drugs and new types of technology that are coming to the forefront. Let's talk about some positive things about what's going on at the Epilepsy Foundation and at the Defeating Epilepsy Foundation and, and what the future looks like uh, for people with epilepsy. Well, the good thing that we have is there is more research coming out. Newer medicines are coming out, which have had a great effect. But what I really love is um, 
where they're coming now with the areas that where they can better diagnose epilepsy. A lot of times there were misdiagnoses when I was younger because of how much was limited. But now the um, tests that we once done, they've been able to expand on them for so long. One of the um, procedures, and I find it just fascinating, I work with a pediatric neurologist in the at the University of Oklahoma, and they do for a lot of these children what are called stereo EEGs, and where a typical EEG, they put the electrodes on the outside of the head, they will put a small incision in the skull and put the electrowires into the brain directly. And they use it as a mapping system to pinpoint directly where the seizure is coming from. So if they're drug resistant, something like a vagus nerve stimulation or RNS, which is um, also a, a stimulation, but directly for the brain, there's all these devices they're making now that can sense seizures and prevent them from happening. Wow, it's so powerful how technology is going to help so many more people in the future. It sounds like we're at the cutting edge of what can happen with epilepsy, with technology, and maybe we're at the beginning of something where they even further make the mapping even more powerful and perhaps even can integrate some other additional technology, maybe one day to solve the epilepsy challenge and the epilepsy puzzle, Natalie. This is, this is remarkable. Natalie, you know, we have a lot of young people that watch the show we have a lot of younger entrepreneurs that watch the show as well. They're in startup mode. They hit some tough times along the road. And based on your particular journey, I would imagine that you have a great attitude about how to get through tough times and how to wake up in the morning and get going. And, you know, you've got the Defeating Epilepsy Foundation. Maybe you could give our younger entrepreneurs some words of wisdom, some words of advice, some words of encouragement when they hit a tough time as an entrepreneur, how to get through it and what mindset's necessary to continue to push on? Well, I found, I mean, just like any entrepreneur, there's times I've hit walls and thought to myself, oh my goodness, why have I even done this? Why am I putting myself through this? And then I take a step back and I have to tell myself and remind myself, how did I come up with this passion? Why did I feel it was necessary? And there is no smooth sailing in entrepreneurship. So at times, if you get stuff, don't let it overwhelm you. Remind yourself why you've done this, why you've taken this route. And with any type of um, business, I say you have to set short and long-term goals. If you just think it's going to happen, that's when you're going to feel stuck. I mean, I know I can't take on the world, so I've just taken little baby steps along the way just to get what I want to get going. And I know it's not going to happen overnight. And when you do hit that bump in the road, there's nothing wrong with taking a step back and saying, well, the path is splitting. And what route do I want to go down? I mean, it, it comes down to, you know, trusting your gut, doing your research, be willing to learn. I still, even though I finished my master's, I'm still taking certifications. I still do little classes. You never stop learning. Knowledge is power. And if you want to get ahead, you have to realize it's going to take that extra step to, to become successful. I love it, Natalie. It's such great advice. Again, for the People watching the show, rewind what Natalie just said. She kind of gave you a little mini Harvard MBA right there about the right mindset to be an entrepreneur, really great. What you're doing at Defeating Epilepsy 
is amazing. The, the foundation is doing great work for the people watching the show. If you or your company, of course, want to reach out to Natalie, I encourage it. If this resonates for you, talk to Natalie, see what you can do, see what your company can do, see how you can get involved to help. Because the more we bring light into the world, we squash out all the darkness that, uh, that we see around us and we can make this a, a beautiful lit up room, a beautiful lit up world if we all work together. Natalie, this has been remarkable. I've learned so much. I mean, I think I could keep you on the show for another hour and ask so many questions, but I know we've only cut out a certain amount of time, but I want to bring you back on the show. I know there's so much more going on at the foundation that you're involved with. You're really at the center of it, and it's just great to talk to you. It's an honor to talk to you. And I wanted to thank you so much for coming on the dot-com magazine entrepreneur spotlight series today and giving us all the information, giving us some enlightenment about what it's like to have epilepsy and what the people with epilepsy have to deal with and go through and the ways in which we all can contribute to make this situation better for our entire society. So Natalie, thanks so much for coming on the dot-com magazine entrepreneur spotlight series today. Thank you so much for having me, Andy, and I would love to come back. Anything I could do to help. 